You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right. Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time. Another week of uh, we don't know a lot time. Should I say that? We always know things time. Let's run that back. Another week of expertism time. Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker, Patrick Brown, Grant Ramey coming to you. Here from parts across the greater Knoxville area on a Monday morning. Going to drop this to you, hopefully, hopefully around lunchtime Monday. Should be able to do that. Uh, another week of, I guess, waiting and seeing. Uh, Tennessee's having its uh, second round of uh, COVID-19 coronavirus tests. Uh, those have not been released as of when we're recording this, which is just before lunchtime on Monday. Hopefully uh, that news will come in soon. Hopefully it will be good news. Uh, regardless, whenever it does happen, uh, we will bring that to you on GoVols 24-7. But before we get into that, uh, Pat, Grant, fellas, how are you? How was the weekend? Can you hear me? Is there any terrible, terribly annoying static or... No, still. Little... I've updated the mic cable. I bought a mic stand. So if you were mad about the poor audio last week, you needed to be mad at Grant because it was 100% his fault. Decided to try to be a professional this week, even though I'm still recording a podcast from a walk-in closet. That's okay. It's a professional walk-in closet. I don't see any like uh, I don't see any paint chips. I don't see any. You know, it looks nice. Well, all the dead bodies are off-screen, so don't well, worry about those. I mean, then then they're out of sight, out of mind. Out of sight, out of mind. I got to be honest, guys. I'm a little sore today. We uh, we moved around so much dirt yesterday at the house in the yard that uh, I think we were actually terraforming. Uh-huh. I was joking, but we we moved around. I don't know what terraforming means. Yeah, You're gonna have to educate me on that one. When you, you Google that real quick, like making like the world around you, like reshaping it a little bit. Basically, there was a large, large uh, divot in the back the backyard, the part where it kind of slopes down in the back corner. And so we got, I don't know, about 150, 180 or so cubic feet of, of dirt and uh, made that a little flatter because it was annoying me. So that's what we did with our Sunday. Hope y'all had a good weekend as well. Hope y'all listening out there had a good weekend as well. And I guess we'll find out here in a couple minutes uh, what kind of or sometime today, hopefully, what kind of weekend it was for the Vols, uh, because as y'all know, they uh, have not had many uh, COVID problems over there on the UT campus. Um, I don't think any of us expect that to remain the same forever. Uh, You look at it, and I think the CDC on Friday, guys, uh, flew to Knoxville and said that it was now a, quote, hot spot, end quote, because there were so many, uh, so many so many more cases than there had been. Uh, Now, what this means, uh, it could be 
nothing more than, okay, there weren't many tests here positive at the first, so now it's got to come here eventually, so it was eventually going to get here. Uh, that's one way to look at it. The other way is uh, maybe we could have done more to prevent it, and we didn't. I, I don't I don't know that. What I do know uh, is that Tennessee has stuff coming out this week. They're planning to, to announce in terms of uh, the, the number of players testing positive, whether they were symptomatic, asymptomatic, all that stuff. And I'm sure that will be yet another cog in the wheel of the SEC making a decision on when it wants to start its football season and what it will look like. Fellas, have y'all heard any ha, heard anything different? I have not. I mean, it's uh, it's to the point where, yeah, it does feel like when, not if, it's going to happen. They're going to get some positive cases. It just seems too impossible to uh, avoid just because you can't put college kids in a bubble like you can professional athletes. You can't stick them on a Disney campus and just go from there. But, I mean, it, the, the league is, you know, obviously the league of the SEC is meeting later today, Monday afternoon, to talk about a possibility of, I guess, what they're going to do with their football season, how they're going to go forward after the, the Big Ten and the Pac-12 did their stuff last week and announced conference-only schedules for the for the 2020 season. So uh, with each passing day, it seems like it's getting closer and closer to trying to figure out what exactly football season is going to look like, when it's going to start. Uh, how it's going to happen, what kind of flexibilities are gonna, there's going to be as, as people try to program, try to cope with this thing. Yeah, and, um, you know, I think a lot of us knew that this possibility was out there, the prospect of, of conference-only seasons that had been mentioned for um, a while. But uh, apparently the Big Ten caught everybody off guard, everybody from other Power Five commissioners to even some uh, in, in the group of five uh, pretty much caught everybody off guard on Thursday when they said, Hey, we're, we're doing this. Um, apparently they had, uh, there'd been conversations with power five conference commissioners that morning. And there was not a mention of, of them doing that, that soon. Surprise. So, uh, yeah, big surprise. Um, and it sort of, uh, it's, it sparked a lot of, of talk and obviously the, the big 12 or excuse me, the PAC 12, um, shout out to them. They actually have the correct number of teams in their name. It's important compared to what they have. Um, they came out Friday and said the same thing. So, uh, and a lot of, a lot of questions, uh, that, that I've seen are, are, how can you, you know, how is it, you know, what kind of sense does it make that, you know, you take South Carolina, for example, they can't play Clemson if the SEC goes to a, a conference only schedule, but they can play Texas A&M, they can play LSU, which I think is both are on their schedule. Um, and, and there are a lot of benefits to doing a, a conference only schedule and, and we can discuss those now. I don't, I'm just to see what y'all have to say about it. I mean, I, I think that for me, and I think there's there's a few different ways to look at it. The way I look at it is I don't view the conference-only schedule as more of a of a benefit in terms of not spreading the virus by travel because when you look yeah, at Yeah, that's not the point. Yeah, yeah. When you, people keep talking about, oh, is, is it about this? Is it about that? No, I mean, everybody knows that South Carolina and Missouri are hilariously both in the SEC East somehow, and, you know, they're going to play. You know, Arkansas – uh, I, I believe in South Carolina, you know, or I, I believe they're, they're going to play, um, you know, that like, I think, I think, think that's, they, they play every year, don't they? Am I wrong about that? No, South, South Carolina's cross division rival is Texas A&M, but Tennessee has okay, to Texas A&M. this season. Te- Texas A&M, there you go. I knew it was one of the faraway ones. So basically at that point, you're, you're not, it has nothing to do with, with geography guys. It has to do with the fact that most conf, most non-conference games, are played the first couple weeks of the season, maybe one later in the year. 
uh, and and for most teams, conference play does not start until a few weeks into the season. And what they're doing is they're doing everything in their power in order to push this back and delay this. They're basically trying to delay, delay, delay until they have to go to that awful C word and cancel or, or the awful P word and postpone. They don't want to have to do those things. I, that's the way I understand it is that they're just delaying as much as anything because they, they can see the, the hot spots across the country. They can see the numbers going up. They can see things they don't like. Uh, and I don't know if they have much choice other than to say, Hey, uh, we're not going to play until the spring or, or cancel the full season uh, or let's just delay it and wait a little bit. Is that, I mean, am I missing something there? Because I might be. I don't know. Yeah, I think it, I think it's that. I think it's um, college football. I think from coaches to administrators to league commissioners, I think they like to have control and they like to know what's ahead of them. They like to have some sort of plan. Yeah. Uh, when you cut out non-conference games, you know that, like you said, that has nothing to do with the spread of the virus. I think it has more to do with control. Uh, I can. If it's my league, I can contact everybody in my league and we can have certain protocols and we can have certain uh, flexibility in the schedule if it's just my conference. And, and you go ahead and get this out of the way middle of July and let, you know, take Tennessee's schedule, for example, let Charlotte know eight weeks ahead of time or however far out we are right now that that game's not going to be played. If you all want to go find something else, go ahead and you, get, you got this amount of time to go find something else. But you have a little bit more control over the protocol, the scheduling, how many games you're going to play, what happens if a certain number of outbreaks happens for a team in a week, can you move stuff around, can you change stuff? I think it's more about the flexibility control of being able to do your own thing, kind of like the NBA is able to do its own thing. They don't have to worry about anybody else but them. Now the Big Ten's done the same thing, the Pac-12. I think all these conferences want to be able to control themselves and only have to worry about themselves and just try to take as much you know of the unknown out of it as quickly as you can uh, you made you made an interesting point there grant uh about wanting to give some of your your uh your group of five opponents time to you know to maybe fill the slots on their schedule um because my first reaction when the big 10 made its announcement was like wait why are they doing it this early you know it was july what ninth right uh, i thought you know why not give it two more weeks see where things are at. Maybe things start looking better in, in, in two or three more weeks. And maybe that's what the SEC is thinking. It sounds like they're, they're not wanting to make any big decisions until basically they absolutely have to. And um, I, I think by the end of the month, I think is what, what Greg Sankey has said that they, you know, you kind of need to make a decision about whether uh, you're going to start the season on time, but um, th that's an interesting point. And, and, and to that point, um, you know, Charlotte's, uh, Athletic director Mike Hill, Tennessee is obviously playing Charlotte to open the season. Um, listening to his interview on on ESPN Radio on Sunday, said that you know things are still fine with with Tennessee and Charlotte opening up the season against each other. But he he you know he, he knows the the landscape, he knows the situation, and he, start, he said he's already started uh, to make phone calls about trying to fill a couple spots on their schedule because Charlotte plays Tennessee and and Duke, so that could be potentially two Power Five games that they lose. So. Um, and, and the big thing for me is, is, is really the protocols and the standards because um, it, it sounds like these tests for, for players, uh, both in football and across the athletic department for a lot of these universities, is, it's not cheap. Um, Correct. It, it's, it, it, it adds up after a while. 
Um, and, and for some of these other, you know, smaller programs that are a little bit more cash strapped, um, it's going to be hard to fund those. And so if you're the SEC, um, you would think that if there is going to be a season, there's going to be weekly testing. Almost There almost certainly has to be, right? I mean, that, that, mm-hmm. that doesn't seem like a crazy uh, – if you're trying to play a season and keep things as healthy and as safe for your players and for your athletes as you can, you're going to be testing frequently. Those things can add up. Um, and, and if you're, if you're the SEC and, and, you know, you want to establish the same protocols for everybody that they have to follow, then you can control that better. Whereas, uh, and, and it sort of creates kind of a bubble. Uh, I know people are getting up, you know, caught up in, in the geography of things, but uh, it's more about, as Grant said, the control, it's more about, you know, we, we know what our teams are doing. They're only playing each other. You don't have these outsiders so to speak coming in who you know we don't know how often they're testing we don't know you know if they haven't tested in two weeks who knows how many players they have that are positive maybe that's you know maybe that's a way to spread um and you know that that that, that's sort of the thing to me is control over over the protocols and control over the schedule because you can push it back to the start of october you can you know if you can if you have to wipe out a week at some point you can um and it lets you keep the conference championships uh, the integrity of those, assuming you don't have to get to the point where you have to cancel it, you keep those intact as well. I mean, if, if South Carolina has 37 players test positive a week before Clemson, playing Clemson, if those if that game was scheduled like normal, I mean, not only does that affect, obviously, the SEC, it affects the ACC. they got to adjust on the fly because South Carolina's not going to want to play that game. Uh, and then that could affect, the you know, obviously, the title race if Clemson – uh, gets to that point in the season has to figure out some kind of difference for the game. So I think if you can keep all these things separated, the power five separated and let them do their own thing, I think that also gives you uh, your best chance at, at having a, some semblance of bowl season or a, a college football playoff, national championship, all that stuff uh, when the time comes And And what Patrick mentioned about not being cheap, uh, the testing, I mean, the new Sentinel reported last week that just that first round of testing at Tennessee cost nearly sixty thousand dollars and it was like forty five thousand on the the nasal swabs and almost fifteen thousand on the the antibody tests i mean at a power five level maybe you can do that it's going to add up a lot obviously after with the amount of money you've missed out on uh over the last few months and how you how you've had to adjust moving forward but if you're not a power five school if you're a school like charlotte are you going to be able to pay that every single week that kind of money to get these guys tested and have them ready to go Uh, and kind of doing the conference only thing a power five you kind of take that off your mind you don't have to worry about that just worry about your guys in your league and go from there yeah and i will say that that for a lot of these other schools too it, it, i think grant started alluding to this is that you you've lost so much money the past few months and in all likelihood you are going to lose more money in the coming months because you if you have uh, a crowd it's not going to to be a full crowd uh and by any stretch of the imagination it, you know even if you do have somewhat of a crowd you have a shorter season so that is a lot less money that you're bringing in the normal and now you've added an extra expense to that where you know as grant said i mean you say what sixty thousand, sixty-five k somewhere around there uh let's do that every single week uh, that becomes a significant line in the budget for for most teams. And if you're the SEC and you have that much revenue to divide through the network and other areas, maybe you've been able to put a little bit in the bank the past few years, you're probably going to be okay. I can imagine places like Texas A&M, for instance, with that sort of 
kitty slush fun they have down there. Uh, they're fine. Uh, they're like the they're like doomsday preppers for this thing. They're they're okay. They got plenty of money. Um, but then you go to other places in the league, and and you know, you say it takes money to make money, and a lot of these schools they've been putting away you know new facilities they've been putting away funds for that and spending some they, they've it just it adds up and if you are taking 60 to 65 or whatever k every week on top of not making money in other ways all of a sudden you start realizing this is why some schools are already canceling some programs uh you know you're, you're you've seen uh stanford uh, slash and, and Stanford, you would think, could pay for whatever it wanted to pay for. Uh, but it's already cut, I think, 11 of its 35 or 36 sports. Uh, well, the crazy thing about that is that they had 35 sports. I mean, uh, I, I did not know this. I learned this listening to Charlotte's AD on Sunday. But you have to have 16 to be an FBS member. Uh, Charlotte has 18. Tennessee's only got, what, like 19? Yeah. I mean, so the fact that you have double that many sports, see, that's that's where you run into trouble. I didn't I didn't know that. A lot of those Pac-12 teams do that. I mean, UCLA's got a bunch. I mean, they just they 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 take pride in being kind of competitive across the board in sports. But you know, you're also seeing some baseball programs uh, across the country that are not um, going to be Furman, one of playing. them, right? Yeah, I think. Um, also heard uh, there's a couple in the Midwest, uh, Bowling Green, maybe some others. Uh, that have not been able to. And you saw this, for instance, when Title IX was passed, you saw a lot of programs have to decide, okay, is this going to be wrestling or baseball that gets cut? Because it has to be one of them. And it, at most schools, one of those two things got cut. So, um, you know, there are – it's not fun, I guess is what I'm trying to say here, is that the longer this goes on uh, and whether it needs to go on or not, I I don't really want to get into that debate because I I think I we all know where we stand individually on this. And, we don't and want that's the, not, we don't want the bad juju is what we don't we don't want the bad mojo to keep going. I, I mean, we're that, gonna speak the season into existence, Wes. Yeah, and I got no problem with that. I mean, I, I we'll look, even get Grant since he's he's always uh, a bubbly ray of sunshine. He was the he was the ray cool. of sunshine on this. He kept saying, "What? When did you, Grant, a few weeks ago, who started the speaking it into existence thing?" Yeah, of course. That's that's the mantra I live my life by. I mean, I, it was the first time I've ever seen you be a, really optimistic. Wake up with a smile on my face. I'm desperate, Wes. What do you want me to say? I'm desperate. I'm happy for you. I'm happy for you. I'm happy for you. I got, I got excited to see a watch list come out. There you go. And here's Before what we're going to we are. Here's what we're going to do, guys. We're going to step away, take a quick break. We're going to come back and we're going to we're going to talk about what changes could happen to Tennessee's schedule that that could be even kind of fun if this um, if this happens to go the way of uh conference only because you talk about taking oklahoma off the schedule well what if you put a couple other fun things on the schedule let's talk about that when we come back before we do that though we're going to get to some products services in-house ads and all those other fun things back in a minute guys hashtag ad hey i'm brett podolsky co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the GoVols 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products, services, in-house ads you you probably heard just a moment ago uh, during that commercial break. Uh, we appreciate the people who are out there listening to those things. Guys, thanks for tuning in again. Wes Rucker, Patrick Brown, Grant Ramey coming to you from parts unknown across the uh, Knoxville area, Knox County area, or Blount County area in Grant's case. Uh, just before lunchtime, I guess late Monday morning on Monday, going to hopefully drop this sometime lunchtime-ish uh, on Monday. Um, before that, if you're one of those Tennessee fans on the West Coast or Hawaii, by the way. Um, but guys, uh, before we move on really quickly, I know I'm going to mention this for a while now. I've been mentioning it for a while. I'm going to keep mentioning it, <clears throat> excuse me, because it is important. Uh, go in, please, subscribe to, rate, and review this podcast. There is nothing you can do out there that will help us more than going in there, taking a couple minutes of your time. We're all working from home. You've got the kids, uh, in some cases, you know, just driving you crazy. If nothing else, your wife's probably working across the hall from you. These are different days that we live in now, uh, and everyone's time uh, is still something that that we value. So if you can take just a couple of minutes out of your time to go in there, whether you're on Apple Podcasts, whether you're on Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Google Play, pretty much all these platforms, I believe now we are we are officially on them. So uh, and have been for a while. So go in there, just rate it, review it. It take a couple minutes, and uh, it would it would help us a lot because we do this for free and we're happy to do it for free. But uh, the only thing we're asking in return is if you could go do that, uh, that would help us quite a bit. And it would help Tennessee fans across the, the world, really, because it would give them, it would bump it up on their feed and, and give them a way to find this program. So please go do that. Uh, first segment, guys, for this episode, we've been discussing Tennessee's uh, potential uh, to have to move to a conference-only schedule. That's something that uh, the SEC has not uh, gone with yet. I know the, uh, the big... 10, the Pac-12, have decided to go that way. And the SEC, ACC, and I guess Big 12 to this point uh, that I've seen have have not done that. And I think one thing we didn't talk about, which is the obvious here, is that the SEC and ACC, there are six reasons that they've not done it yet, one of the biggest six reasons they've not done it yet, and I will list them as follows. Florida, Florida State, Georgia, Georgia Tech, uh, Clemson, South Carolina. Those are three in-state games. They are incredibly important in that state. They require very little travel, and those mean as much to those fan bases as any conference game does. And I completely understand why they, even if it's supposedly a conference-only schedule, I can see why they would be calling the conference office saying, wait a minute what if we just played that one game in our conference schedule? Maybe everybody else in the league could add one non-conference game later in the season on the final week. Maybe we could we could work on this. So there are all kinds. My wife works in, 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 um, in, in at a college, and I can tell you that they are, and this is just from the athletic, academic side, they are doing everything they can. Every contingency plan is on the table. This whole thing is a sliding scale. So they are still very much negotiating all of 
this stuff. And I think that makes sense, right? I think, Grant, you mentioned it earlier. Uh, you have to have options right now. You have to have a lot of them, and you got to you got to start figuring it out now. I mean, I guess you could, in a perfect world, say we're going to cancel all our non-conference games except for some of these Power Five, Interpower Five rivalry games, in-state stuff, the, the games that you mentioned, Wes, and, and maybe try to try to keep those. But I think what you have to focus on first and foremost is your your divisions within these conferences. Mm-hmm. You have to play those games. Those games have to take priority over everything else. Because come December, you're going to want to have a conference championship game, and you're going to want to have the uh, the right, the most simplest way to determine who plays in that game, and that's division winners. Uh, and that's just six games. That's that's the good part for the SEC. It's just six games, and you can figure out everything else after that. You just you have to make sure those six games happen one way or the other to get to December uh, and to be in the right spot there. And then from there, I think you have to figure out how many you want to play uh, outside of those six. Do you want to play eight-game schedule? Do you want to play – a 10 game schedule, an eight game schedule, obviously uh, you're missing out, uh, you know, because you thought you had a 12 game schedule going into this in a perfect world, but now you don't, but you do have more flexibility if you have to move these games around and this stuff gets crazy uh, as the fall unfolds. But I guess that all just depends on, on where the virus goes from here. But I mean, I think the 10 game schedule makes the most sense, gives you a couple of extra open weeks to figure stuff out, gives you uh, a good amount of football, at least, plan for on the table it's just a matter of figuring out from there who you play and and when you play them and and, you know who gets home games and who gets away games and how does it affect this 14 year sec rotation that they set way back when uh, missouri and a&m joined the league and, and go from there pat here's my question for for you and uh I guess, Grant, if you know the answer too, you feel free to pipe up. I, I am not uh, an economics guy. Uh, I was not an economics major or business major. So uh, I, I don't know a lot of these things. My wife does most of the math here in our house, if I'm being honest with you. And when I here, – here's my question. With the way that the, there is the potential that you might have to play these games in front of zero fans – if you are playing these games in front of zero fans, if it's just the players, uh, the officials, um, you know, the, the other, um, in, in terms of, you know, down marker people, you know, guys like that, the replay people, whatever they are, probably select uh, media representation there. Uh, if you do all of that, if you go from eight games to 10 games and you are not allowing fans in the stands, are you still making more money than you would have, or are you actually spending more money? Are you actually throwing away even more money by doing it that way? Because I honestly do not know. Well, I don't really know either, but I think what a lot of people assume is that, um, you know, a revenue from, from a Saturday home game is, is a big chunk of change. And it is, but it's not maybe the majority of where the revenue comes from for Tennessee. A lot of it's from obviously, now, there's private donations for a lot of it, but bulk of it comes from TV contracts. And, and that's why I think yeah. uh, these power five leagues are going to feel uh, a lot of pressure to, uh, to try to play a season. If they can, if these programs can, can find a way to create a safe and, and healthy environment for, for their players, because um, the, because the opportunity to, to, to fulfill those TV contracts and get the TV revenue is going to be important. Um, and if you're the SEC, if you're if you're the ACC, if you have a chance to maybe find a way to make a one-year renegotiation of those contracts to get a little bit more, because those ratings are going to be incredible. If there's 
uh, if it's 25% capacity or, or there's nobody there, but uh, the three of us and, and players, families, um, then, you know, it, it's still uh, going to be widely watched uh, by a lot of people. I think, you know, a lot of people, especially in this part of the country are craving sports, craving college football. It's what uh, means a lot to a lot of people. And so uh, even if you can't get into the stadium, you're going to be watching on TV. So um, we always say a lot of things in college sports are, you know, boil down to, to the money. And, and that's why if you're clinging to hope that the season will get played in some form or fashion, um, you hope that the TV money that's available to be had for these conferences is what gets them on the same page and gets uh, the leaders to, and the decision makers to, to find a way. Um, and, 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 you know, I imagine a lot of players probably want to play, not, you know, there will probably be some here and there uh, that may pull themselves out that don't want to play. For, and, and that's fine. Um, you know, and, and but a lot of them probably want to play. And if and they the, want to the play, the NCAA should fight. give them a free red shirt. If, by the way, if you choose to not play in this situation, the and, NCAA should give you a year back. And, and programs should honor those scholarships as well. They shouldn't be doing a, none of that shady business either. But um, if you go to a conference only schedule, though, you're, you're going to, you're still going to take a financial hit because you're uh, in Tennessee's case, you're going to go from seven home games to four, potentially five at the most, if they go to 10. Um, and even at 25% capacity, even if you have only three concession stands open, that's still money that, uh, that you're going to lose from, from going, you know, having two, potentially three fewer home games. So uh, there's a financial hit there. You'll recoup some of that money, though, if you don't have to pay uh, your non-conference opponents. Tennessee was supposed to fork out uh, or is supposed to fork out, I think, about $3.2 million to Charlotte, Troy, and Furman this season. Yep. Uh, those contracts, uh, I've, I've – taught myself the legalese of, of these things over the years um and it seems like tennessee's covered pretty well because they have a uh act of god the act of god clause it's the force uh majeure is that how you say it i, I don't know french is that a french word is it a cajun <laughs> word we yeah, need editors around here to help us it, it looks french to me is it majeure is that how you say it no idea it just, look, it just looks french um anyways that it's a force majeure impossibility clause and tennessee seems to have it covered pretty good because in the acts of God that you mentioned, Grant, there is the word pandemic on there. Um, and there's also a line about if an edict, which sounds very royal and very regal, <laughs> yes, very uh, uh, middle age, uh, renaissance times, uh, an edict from the SEC or the NCAA that says you can't play the game, uh, that would just seem to absolve um, Tennessee from having to pay that fine or the penalties. Um, and, and there is, a, and with the Oklahoma series, it's interesting because that's a series. Um, what would they do? We've seen Oregon and Ohio State have, have reportedly want to try to reschedule that series. Um, if this Tennessee-Oklahoma game doesn't happen, I don't know when it's going to happen because Oklahoma's booked up legitimately for the next 15 years in terms of their non-conference games. So uh, I would be interested to see what happens with that uh, with that home and home if if this game doesn't get uh, if this game ends up getting axed by either the Big 12 or the SEC going to conference only. I mean, the focus here has to be TV. And I haven't, you know, I, I don't know what there, what there is in the fine print of that contract, but that's where so much of your money comes from. Yes. I mean, even, you know, in a normal season, year in and year out, that's where such a huge chunk of money comes from. So you want to play as many games as you can safely to have value in that TV contract and to give the networks what they're wanting. I mean, that, there's going to be an insane craving for college football this fall and if there's anything that SEC football fans love, uh, like they love their team, it's they love the SEC. 
an, an SEC only season, even, you know, it's going to be crazy if there's nobody in the stands and it's going to be a huge adjustment to get used to seeing what it looks like on TV or whatever, if these games happen, but it's going to be the most intriguing, one of the most intriguing seasons, you know, ever because nobody's ever thought about this plan for this. Um, and here we are talking about who in July would be added to Tennessee's schedule from the sec because you're trying to figure out all these scenarios. So I think, you got to get that TV money and you got to give the TV, the networks as much value as you can try to play as many games as you can. Uh, because that's, I mean, at the end of the day, it's money, 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 and the the bottom line. And and that's what you're trying to get and trying to absorb all these losses as best you can and and bring in as much money as you can safely. And I'll tell you one thing else that I would do if I were the sec and there were, there was no possibility of having, fans uh, in the stands if they go to a situation where there can't be fans uh, I would spread out the games as much as I possibly could uh, if you could have some guys and again I guess this might depend on you know some of the availability uh, which high schools are playing on Friday nights when but I would try to move a couple games to Friday and I then I would try to play you know four or five on Saturday. Basically, I would try to have where you never have two games going on at the same time unless it has to be a deal where, like, you know, you have to have one. Like, CBS, you know, gets the the exclusive contract for a certain time anyway. Uh, But, you know, you don't have a situation where you've got 7 o'clock SEC Network, 7 o'clock ESPN, 7 o'clock ESPN2 or you. I would try to spread those out as much as I possibly could, and I would try to put them on the network because you're going to get more people watching those games that way. That that would be a way that I would try to to stagger it because um, a lot of people, as Grant said, they love watching SEC football, and they will watch other SEC teams play each other. It's a great idea until Kentucky and Vanderbilt to, uh, kick off, and you're like, oh, my gosh. I think what we could. Here? That game would be the uh, the ten o'clock or eleven o'clock Eastern PM on a uh, Friday or a uh, a nine AM Saturday kickoff. Probably. I saw I saw a Kentucky Vanderbilt replay on the other day, and I thought, man, this is where we are in the pandemic. <laughs> they're replaying <laughs> yeah, Kentucky Vanderbilt football game. It's either that or they're like, here are the punters' greatest hits, like <laughs> over the years. Here's the SEC's just, best. That could punters. just be the two thousand whatever it was eight Tennessee Auburn game. The punters' yeah. greatest hits. Here's every forty five yard plus field goal that an SEC kicker has ever made in a game that we have on film. Yeah, we've almost reached that point. Uh, but what's interesting is if Tennessee and the rest of the SEC go from a – if they go to a conference-only schedule, guys, there is a chance that they go to uh, – they try to mitigate it a little bit by saying, okay, you get 10 games instead of eight games. So at that point, you are then adding two games onto your schedule. Maybe they would do one. Maybe they would do two. <clears throat> Here comes the question – uh, which two would you like to see if you were a Tennessee fan? And are you the kind of Tennessee fan who thinks, I want the easiest two games possible, or I want the most challenging games possible, or I just want the most fun games possible? If you can add two more teams, they would be from the West, obviously. Uh, who would you want to add? Well, I mean, uh, go ahead, Pat. You want me to take it? You go ahead. No, I got it. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'll, I'll sit this one out. Yeah. Go away forever. Well, they only have what? Five options available. Yes. Right. Uh, 
And so, I mean, to me, obviously you're not going to want to play Mississippi State. The two I would pick would probably be Ole Miss. Just, you know, get Lane Kiffin back. Lane Kiffin against Tennessee. That's a storyline. Hashtag storyline. Yep. Um, and I'd probably go uh, Auburn because it was a recent game. That's a traditional rivalry. Those teams used to play every year. They had a, a long history of great games. Um, and if you're Tennessee, you probably feel pretty confident that game because Jeremy Pruitt uh, beat Auburn with a, a much less talented team yep. uh, than he has now uh, a couple of years ago. So that might be my two picks. Uh, what I've seen thrown out and what seems to make a lot of logistical sense in terms of the scheduling is to just take the two uh, rotating divisional opponents for everybody from the next two seasons and apply them to this season. Uh, for Tennessee, that would mean Ole Miss is coming to Knoxville and you're going to LSU, which would be <laughs> fun, but you'd much rather play LSU uh, in a full stadium, not an empty one. So, or maybe you wouldn't. I don't know. Um, no, I think you'd rather go down there and play in an empty Death Valley. I mean, well, for once, it would work out in Tennessee's favor after drawing the best SEC West team year in and year out, almost it seems like, on this rotation over the last, what, five years to go to LSU the year after Joe Burrow uh, and the year where there's no fans at Death Valley. You know what I'm thinking, and uh, I guess I'm thinking basically I'm trying to find any way if I'm the SEC, if I'm these schools, I would like to, to recoup as many of these losses as I possibly could. I can tell you exactly what I would do. I would advertise it for two or three, four days going into it big time. I would have a ping pong drawing, basically. I would have like a lottery. I would have basically a lottery where frozen you, envelopes. Yeah. Yeah. Frozen envelopes. Who gets, you know, Ewing? But, you, you know, you go down and I, I would just basically do it like a lottery drawing. We see this for like the Champions League uh, in, in, in Europe. We see it for, um, you know, the draft order every year you know, for, for the NBA, we, we see these things. And I think basically you just take every, you take either, um, basically you just go there and you get them in a ping pong. If you obviously you couldn't get the second one in a row, so you're not going to play the same right. team twice, but you bet you go in there and you find a way to do it with the ping pong balls. And it basically comes out like everyone can watch it live. You know, every, you know, you can basically make put, it tamper. Put it on proof. SEC Network and yes. ratings are through the roof right now. Yes, the and then that way, you know, you've got basically the analysts in person, you know, or there in the studio having to sort of break it down and be like, oh, my gosh, here's the first take we have on this. This is what this could mean for the league. This is what that could mean for the league. It's like I, a selection Sunday. Kind of, yeah, and, and that's – that's the way I would do it. Now, would I do I think they would do that? No, because I think they would probably find a more structured way to do it. But I think you put it on TV, you might have more th- fun with it. I think Pat's right, and with the the divisional rotation stuff, and just take the next two because you know it's been what 2010 since Ole Miss came to Knoxville, and uh, what was the last time Tennessee went to LSU? I don't even know the year. Um, a long time ago. That would have been the LSU redo game, the uh, 13. Right, and then maybe just. Uh, I don't know, scrap the rest of this rotation or move up the SEC West rotation a couple of years for the, you know, the next three, four, five football seasons, whatever this, I think this thing goes through 2025 that they set back in, what was that? That's correct. Something crazy like that. So I think that's the simplest thing. Ole Miss home game, LSU road game. And then next season all goes according to plan. You get Texas A&M at home for the first time since they joined the league like 30 years ago. Uh, then the next year you'd go to Mississippi State and then host Auburn the, the last year of that rotation. That's the beauty of it, though. If, if you're doing a conference-only schedule, 
you could just scrap the whole thing and start from scratch. You right. could abolish divisions. Um, <clears throat> you could you could do all sorts of fun things like that if you wanted to. And to your point, Wes, if if they tell if the SEC network said we're gonna the league said we're just gonna scrap everything, start from scratch with the schedule. Uh, how 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 insane would the ratings be if they televised that draw as yes. they like did it live? Yes, It'd be a pretty good idea. Um, now obviously you'd probably want to preserve some of these. Uh, you probably want to have maybe not a a, a draw for all ten games. Uh, no, I, I, no, I'm, I'm just saying just a draw for the extra two. Like if they well, went, if they went from eight to ten. I mean, if you're, I, I would say you probably could try to keep three, four games, you know, you want to keep Tennessee playing Florida. You want to keep Georgia playing Auburn and Tennessee. You want to keep the iron bowl, the egg bowl. You want to keep all those games, but if you're Tennessee and you know, you're the games you probably want to play are Florida, Georgia, Alabama for uh, traditional purposes, Vanderbilt too, Kentucky, maybe Kentucky. Maybe, maybe if you had locked five in you could do a draw random draw for the other five, that would be pretty entertaining. Wouldn't it? Yeah, it would try to make the most of this, uh, unfortunate situation we've, we've reached a really bad spot in the pandemic sports shutdown when the sec would have to be like you know that rucker guy had a pretty good idea he had a pretty that, you know he's good for one every 10 years or so uh <laughs> he's, he's good for one idea every pandemic maybe maybe we'll finally take him up on the basketball officials thing too maybe we'll uh maybe, oh boy here we go i'm happen. just saying if they Keep like the train the- on the tracks if they liked the one idea, they might like the other. No, this this train's about to leave the station anyway. I'm just, I mean, I'm just saying that would be, that would be, that would be nice. Uh, any other quick news and notes, guys? I know that uh, Henry Toto was added recently to a, uh, to the uh, was it the Bednarik uh, Award list? Pat, is that what it was? It was the he's nodding at me. Yes, it was the Bednarik Award. Yes, that is correct. That there's that uh, Tennessee placed, I believe, a record 120. Uh, student athletes on the SEC spring honor roll. Uh, so congratulations there. I think like the Tony Vitello's baseball team had like 15 or 16 guys on the list, which for baseball is a pretty darn good number. So shout out to those guys. They are not, and, and these were guys who had a couple of them had just been drafted too, like crochet and Zach Daniels were on there. So they obviously were not packing it in, getting ready for the draft. So that stuff's good to see. They're, they're, they're not just doing better, off the field there. I mean, they're doing uh, – on the field, they're doing a lot better off the field as well. That program was in uh, an APR nightmare there for a while years ago. So congratulations to those guys. Uh, and I think um, that about covers it. There was a Josiah Jordan-James uh, uh, Zoom conference on Friday uh, that, that some interesting stuff came out of there that we'll discuss uh, maybe later in the week. We'll get to some of that stuff, have a basketball segment on one of these. Uh, but for now, unless there's anything else, fellas – think that might just about do it that's it i'm out that's it pat won't nod at me or shake his head y'all could hear me for the last hour a little bit better a little bit better wes a little better we can hear it all right thanks guys that was me saying bye to my coworkers and them not saying bye in return in case you're you're missing that out there grant just gave me a thumbs up that'll work Guys, thanks for tuning in. As always, you can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker, 24-7 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan, who was not on this podcast but will be later in the week. Ryan Callahan, 24-7 on Twitter. Patrick Brown's P. Brown, 24-7 on Twitter. And Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. Uh, if you want Just Tennessee news, you can get that at twitter.com slash govols 24-7. We all have a little bit of a hand in that account, but it's Just Tennessee news all the time. 
mostly Tennessee news, not all Tennessee news, but mostly Tennessee news. You can get on Facebook at facebook.com slash govols247, or you can go directly to the source. You can go get that delicious East Tennessee Mountain Spring water right from the tap. You can go to govols247.com. Got some good, good stuff going on right now. I'm telling you, in the middle of this pandemic, we are still... We are still bringing just a ton, a ton of content out there every day. And right now, you can get, uh, basically, here's the deal right now, guys. Get 60% off your first year of a VIP subscription. 60% off of your first year uh, of a VIP subscription. So go check that out, GoVols247.com. And if you pay us full price, you get free access to CBS All Access, which is CBS's streaming platform, which is a good idea right now because there's tons of movies and shows and all kinds of things on there. Every show in the CBS catalog, uh, ever new, new new movies that that cycle in every month. We got some World Series of Poker stuff. We we, we got uh, some some exclusive podcast stuff. Uh, later on, you'll get uh, I'm assuming some CBS uh, coverage of the Champions League when that moves over. Uh, to all kinds. All kinds of stuff, all kinds of stuff that you can get right now. You've gotten through the end of all your other streaming accounts anyway, right? You have. Just go do that. And if nothing else, we will see y'all, I suppose, uh, unless some crazy news happens. We'll, we'll talk to you Thursday. See you.